Okay. That's bra, you could have carried on, couldn't you? It's a shame to stop. So this morning we continue with our thinking behind the Apostles' Creed and, and what the Apostles' Creed means for us. And, and we're approaching the end, we're, we're nearly at the end of this series, thinking this morning about the resurrection of the body. The resurrection of the body. So we, we thought a few weeks ago about he has risen, about how Jesus has risen. But today we're thinking about the resurrection of the body, thinking about you and me. What does it look like for us after we die? And there, there's so many questions and so many bits and bobs that go on. But as we are, are, are getting older, maybe we think about these questions more and more. And the passage that we have before us is found in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And the first verse we're looking at, we'll get into it in a wee minute, but the first verse says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With that kind of body, what, with what kind of body will they come? And that, that kind of begins the sermon this morning, we're, we're going to be looking into that passage a wee bit more. So if you have Bibles on your phones and stuff, get to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 35. Well, there's a wee story about, you know, as we're all getting older, none of us are younger than we were when we first came in. That's a happy thought, isn't it? But we're all getting older. We're all thinking about these things. A man went to the doctor, and when the doctor entered into the examining room, the man cried, my hair is falling out. Can you give me something to keep it in? Of course, the doctor said reassuringly, and he handed them a small box. Will that be enough? <laughs> We're all getting older. We're all getting older. Things are happening. Things, you know, are falling out. And as I get older, I have less hair here and more hair here. I have less hair here and more hair here. What is that all about? When the resurrection comes of the people of God... We will not have any of those problems. They will be gone. The question in verse 35 has been in the mind, I think, of every believer at some time or another. How will we become like Jesus? How will we become holy? Our faith is in God, whose love never gives up. And he rescues us when we're lost. And it is a love that is greater than death. And Jesus' resurrection points to what we will have. Death is part of this natural world. Death is part of what we will all face. And for each one of us, as we grieve the loss of loved ones, we will go from one extreme or the other that this is the end, that there is nothing more, that that's it. That's what the world often would try and teach us. Or that we, we think that actually it's, it's just nothing, it's just a wee blip and we will meet again and we don't fully grieve enough. But the Bible always takes death seriously. 
When you look at King David, King David mourned the loss of his child that was born, but also of Saul and his best friend, Jonathan. Even though Saul the king was trying to kill him, he mourned when he died. Mary Magdalene, as we've thought about already this morning, was weeping at the tomb. And for Jesus, Jesus with Lazarus, Jesus who was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, it says, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. The Bible takes the end of life very seriously, but it also says that that will not be the end. So let's dive in a little bit into a tricky, a tricky passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, we'll read from 35 to 58. There's all sorts of stuff in here, and we'll dip into it in this sermon. The resurrection body. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With, that kind of bo- what, with what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and the stars differ from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, 
The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. Amen, and thanks be to God for the reading of His holy word. Now, uh, we had a breakfast Bible study yesterday morning. Uh, we were having breakfast together, and, and our chef for the morning, Nori, said, I'll, I'll, make the, I'll make the bacon and the eggs. You, you guys can carry on, because I've read the passage, and I can tell you, it doesn't matter, because once we get there, it'll be great, at which point, you know, we could have stopped the discussion, because that's the truth. When we get there, we don't know what it'll look like, but it's going to be amazing. And the truth is that the resurrection of the body will happen. That's what we believe. That's what we pronounce in the Apostles' Creed, and that's what Scripture tells us. But we may still have questions, so we can dig into it a little bit as well. And Nori actually did. He joined the discussion, and he, he, he didn't just wash the dishes. But to give you a little bit of context, the people in the Corinth church were surrounded by Gnostics, by folks who denied that the resurrection of the body happened. Even the Sadducees, the, the Jewish followers, denied that there would be a resurrection. They tried to trap Jesus a few times. But the, the, the church in Corinth, there were people who said that the body was evil, that only the spirit was good. Therefore, they didn't want a body in eternity. They considered resurrection impossible. But they also seem to ask, if the resurrection is possible, what is this all going to look like? And Paul digs into this a little bit, and he gives us some illustrations in verses 36 to 41. He talks about the seed and the plant, how the seed must die to grow into a plant, that the seed determines what the plant will look like. For example, if you plant tatties, you'll not get carrots. You'll get more tatties. And he also says that the natural has to die to birth the supernatural. As the plant is more than the seed, the resurrection body is greater than our earthly body. I heard a story about how there are two types of birds that fly over certain deserts in the world. One is the hummingbird and one is the vulture. The vultures find the rotting meat of the desert because that's what they're looking for. They thrive on that diet. But the hummingbirds, they don't look for the smelly flesh of dead animals, but they look for the colorful blossoms of the desert plants. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with the dead and the gone, but the hummingbirds live on what is, and they seek the new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. And each bird will find what they're looking for. And the truth is the same for us. If we're, looking, if we're looking in the past, if we're looking for what is gone, if we're looking for the, the decaying stuff, we'll find it and we'll get a reward. But if we are focusing on the good things of life, we will find life. God has created this world for us. And in a twinkling of an eye, 
it will be changed. And the challenge, the call, is what will we do with that? A resurrection body will fit us for eternity. And it will be different. Just as Jesus rose from the grave and Mary didn't recognize him, and in fact, some of the other disciples at various other times post-resurrection didn't recognize him, we will be changed. In the same way that if we were to go into space, we would, we would die in this body. We need a space suit. In the same way, in a very you know, simple idea, when we die, we will be created afresh and anew for eternity. The sun, the moon, and the stars are all different. They have a celestial glory. Every star is different from every other star. In our resurrection bodies, we will be different. But we still will be us. You will be you, and I will be me. I think we will recognize ourselves in eternity. I think we'll go, wow, you scrubbed up well. Look at you. But we believe, we believe, just as Jesus rose and was changed, we too will be changed. And Paul speaks about how the perishable will become imperishable. How the the sinful bodies that we have in dishonor will be changed into glory. How the weaknesses that we have will be transformed into power. He speaks about the natural becoming the spiritual. He speaks about Adam and Jesus, how the natural comes before the spiritual. How in Adam we have an earthly likeness, and in Jesus we will have a spiritual likeness. And it's interesting because Jesus, he ate, he ate the fish on the shore after he rose. He spoke. Thomas touched his scars. And that's another interesting thing. He still bore the scars. He still bore the scars. And in Revelation, we're told that the lamb, the wounded lamb, still bears the scars. So, in this world, you and I are being equipped. And if we're not being equipped for what's coming next, then, you know, what is the point of all of this? And indeed, I I believe that we will not be sitting on clouds strumming harps. I don't, I think, you know, the whole images that we have have been fed to us that have created an idea that we'll somehow find eternity pretty dull. But God's Word says that when we die, we will rise and we will have work to do. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. We will have purpose we will be set to do what God has called us to do. And it's that, I think it's the same th- calling that we have here on earth. The things that we're equipped for and gifted for here on earth, we will then be set free to do in eternity. We will be like Jesus. When Jesus returns, you and I as Christian followers of Jesus will be resurrected and changed. It will be a final and complete victory over death. This is the action of God who is present in the death of His Son. That is, love never gives up. Even in death, love overcomes. All this pain, 
all this hurt. It will be redeemed. The stuff that we have gone through here on earth will be redeemed. It will be used for his glory. God is providing here on earth, but will provide so much more in eternity. There is much more to come. And what's the point of all this? What's the point of talking about the resurrection of the body? Well, we are proclaiming our belief that there is more. The best is yet to come. It's going to be so good. But at the end of this passage, Paul says, basically, so what? If all this is going to happen, what are you going to do about it here on earth? And you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss what God has designed for you to do today. He says, let's stand firm. Let us give thanks. Because nothing is forgotten. Nothing is lost. Eternity is at stake. Everything we give for the Lord is not in vain. And this is not just about us. This is not just about us as believers happily, snugly, cozy in our nice wee church. This is about how we're equipped to go out to serve and to love the world around us, the neighborhood around us, your, your, your next door neighbors. How can you serve and love them? How can you love and serve your school where your kids attend? How can you love and serve your family who you may think have gone off the rails? Because this is not just about us and eternity. It's about everyone else we can bring with us. And just to give us perspective, to not just live for us and for this world around us, but to live in eternity to make sure that there are people there because of the word and the love and the service that we've shown us. I, I, I'm maybe not describing that quite so well, but there's a brilliant illustration that Francis Chan does. So we're just going to watch that right now. We're going to see that. And I just, yeah, it's coming. So we'll watch this. Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about th what about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. 
And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. C.S. Lewis, the last battle, the Chronicles of Narnia, the end of the whole series, Aslan speaks. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And as for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Folks, it is going to be amazing, but we cannot just sit back and wait. We cannot think, well, I've done my bit, I'm okay. We need to serve however we can, wherever we can. We need to share the good news of Jesus wherever we are with words and actions. And know that when we do it for the Lord, none of it is wasted. None of it is in vain when we work for the Lord. So don't live for the dot. Live for the line. Don't live for that little bit. Live for the rope that goes on for eternity. Let's pray. Thank you.